Now, who doesn't want to get up and preach right now, right? I mean, you're like, hey, I'll do it now, man. I'm ready. Woo! Hey, welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for being here for our 1030 worship. We've already enjoyed being able to be here with others at 9 a.m. and thankful to be able to have these two different opportunities as we are uh, spread out still with our COVID protocols. But looking to grow both of these times, the 9 a.m. and the 1030. If it's a, uh, in the future, if you'd rather come at the 9 a.m., that's great. Just be sure to bring somebody with you. We're trying to uh, increase all of the attendances as people are getting out more, and we want to bring more people to be a part of the time and encouragement that we have uh, together. Great to be able to sing uh, the songs today and have some of those uh, words be in Spanish. We have many of our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters here with us today as uh, Marco is being recognized uh, for the shepherding that he has been doing uh, within the Hispanic group and now also with the larger congregation. And uh, we're also glad that at the 9 a.m. service, uh, those who would like to come who normally attend in the FLC at 1030 in the um, Spanish uh, language service. Uh, we're going to have an opportunity for individuals to come at the 9 a.m. and be a part of the worship in here and then go to the Spanish language service at 1030. Uh, so we're just excited about that and just great to have so many here. Already have seen some people this morning and said, hey, it's my first time back and it's really exciting and we just continue to welcome you and thanks for those who are watching online to come and be a part with us. Uh, Tim Gobble mentioned earlier about the class that I'm doing on Wednesday night. And I'm going to do something today that I, I really don't know if I've ever done uh, before, but I, I believe that because of certain circumstances that have taken place during this last week, I, I need to use something that I did Wednesday night and share it with the whole congregation. Now, if, if, you, were, if you were here in class Wednesday night, apparently the Lord thinks you need this again, okay? Right? Um, and, and so I'm glad that you were here to be a part of it. Uh, don't worry. Uh, there's been some things added, some things taken away. It's not going to be the same. Uh, but others of you, I, I just feel like that there is a message here that, that needs to be shared for everyone as we talk about how new begins, begins now. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, uh, Paul spoke to an area of his life, a time in his life, where there was just so much weight and there was just so much pressure that was pressing down upon him that he did not know if he could personally endure it. And this is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you've never highlighted this in your Bible, I would encourage you to do so, okay? This is a great passage that is something we need to remember. He says, when we think that you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. He says, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Have you ever heard people say, look, God will not give you more than you can endure? You probably heard that, right? Paul says, it's not true. Paul says, I, I was given more than I could physically endure. I was given more than I personally believed that I could handle. He said, in fact, we thought that we would never live through it. He says, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, he says, we stopped relying on ourselves and learn to rely on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. He says we have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Paul said it was just too much. It was too much for me and my humanity to be able to bear. 
And I don't know if that's where you are right now, but I guarantee you that you've probably been there before in your life. And I know for sure that it will come at some point in time where there comes this pressure that you just don't know if you're going to be able to withstand it. And you feel like this guy, right? I mean, the weights are just too much. There's kind of two different types of pressure. There's the 45-pounder pressures. You know, the 45-pound plates you put on the end of the bar. Those are the big weights that just come. Those are the big anxieties that come when you're not expecting it. You lose your job. You're, you're forced into bankruptcy. A family member goes through an abuse. You, you get a, a, a verdict at the doctor's office that you were not expecting. You have this overwhelming loneliness that's in your life. And this 45-pound weight just begins to, to be so much pressure that it feels like it's cutting off your ability to breathe. And, and you can't think, and you, and you can't function, and you can't focus, and you can barely stand up underneath it. So there's a 45-pound weight, but then there's also those 5-pounders. There's those 5-pound weights of life, those daily pressures that we face that's just an accumulative effect. It's the crying baby. It's the bills that just keep on coming. It's the phone that keeps ringing. It's how that psychologists call it stress contamination. It's not about major anxiety at one time. It's just this over and over and over again how that it seems like that the, the braces are always having to be put on the same time that the air conditioning unit has to be replaced and these things just keep adding up. And Paul says, you know what? I've been there and I didn't think I was going to make it. He says, I want to be honest with you, brothers and sisters. I want to tell you what happened in my life. He said, because there came a point in time where I said, I cannot endure this particular type of pressure. I remember when I walked into the weight room for the first time as a, as a freshman. It was the spring of my freshman year. I had been in the band in the fall of my freshman year because the majorettes were pretty. I mean, I'm, I'm just, Luke, I'm just going to name it for you, buddy. I'm just going to tell you. I was in the band when I was a freshman because I thought the majorettes were pretty. I was a drummer, and everybody loves the drummers, right? But then I decided, hey, I really think I want to play football, but I got to bulk up a little bit. And so I went into the weight room as a freshman, and I went in, and there was an empty bench that was there. There were two 45-pound weights on each side, 135 pounds total. I laid down underneath that bar, and I pulled it off, and boom! <laughs> and I couldn't move. Now, I had a buddy that was with me. He had also been in the band with me in the fall. He decided that he was going to play football. And I'm like, help. And he reaches down. And he couldn't get it off of me either. There was a reason that we were in the weight room together. And I'm there. And I mean, it's, the breath is leaving me. I mean, the legs are coming up. I mean, it's just, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And of course, one of the linemen come over and reaches one arm down and just pulls it up and puts it back and... I do the walk of shame around the bench and I pull off the 45-pound weights and, and I put on the, the weights that the girls' basketball team were using. And um, Paul says, if you haven't been there, you will. There's going to come this moment where you cannot get the weight off of your chest and you need somebody to help you out. So, so what, what do we do? What do we do in moments when we feel like this guy, and, and we're trying, but, 
but we just can't, we can't do it. How do we find peace in those moments? And, and what I kind of seen that's happened is that we, we just kind of go about it on our own, and we kind of have this checklist that, look, I, I've just got to figure out a way to be able to endure, and I've got to fake it till I make it, and I've just got to be able to get through this, and there's going to be this inner peace that comes. Maybe the most important thing that you hear this morning is this right here. Friends, peace is not your fruit. Peace is not your fruit. It is not a fruit of you. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a fruit of self. It's something that comes from God. But what's happened is that many people have gotten confused about this and it's just causing more and more anxiety and pressure and more stress because we try to do the, the Holy Spirit's job. And so we go and we get on Amazon, right? I mean, that's where you go if you want to figure out something. Just go to Amazon. You can find a book, something there. And you go and you search books about peace on Amazon. Over 100,000 books on Amazon that deal with peace. One of my favorites is this. Peace for busy people. 52 techniques to find peace in your life. Think about that. You weren't stressed enough, stressed enough. Here's 52 things that you need to do that'll bring you peace. So your life's busy and crazy and you're completely stressed out. And you're like, well, wait, new begins now. And I'm trying to start this new life. And I'm trying to put God first. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm, I'm walking in the spirit. But this weight is just crushing down on top of me. And now I got 52 other things that I've got to do. You've got to be kidding. It's not your fruit. It's God's. But here's the good news. Jesus wants to give you his peace. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, give you a little bit of context as you're turning there. It's in your New Testament, Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And there in 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. And he's told them, look, I'm leaving and... Things are going to be different. He's trying to prepare them of the pressures and stress that are going to be coming and the trouble that's going to be taking place. And he warns the disciples about how they're going to be hated and how they're going to be persecuted and how that their life is going to be taken from them and all these pressures that are going to be weighing down. And in the midst of it, Jesus promises, he promises peace through his Holy Spirit. And so in John 14, he's telling them, look, I'm going to be leaving I know that this had to cause anxiety for them. They had to be stressing out because they're thinking, man, if Jesus is leaving, I mean, well, who's going to calm the storms? I mean, that was Jesus' job. And, and who's going to feed all the crowds? Who's going to take the bread? And who's going to take the fish? And, and who's going to make sure that nobody goes home hungry? Because that was Jesus' job. And so here's how he reassures them. In verse 18, Jesus says to his followers, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. And then in verse 26, he explains it a little bit more. He says, but the counselor, and maybe your Bible says the comforter or the advocate, he says, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. Jesus says, my peace I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, in the middle of a conversation where he's talking about this is going to be your trouble and this is going to be your heartache and this is going to be your stressor, he says, don't be afraid and don't be troubled because I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. But here's where we get confused. You see, Jesus makes it very clear that he wants to share his peace, but 
When he promises peace, he's not promising peacefulness. You understand there's a difference? This distinction is something we don't always make. And then we get disillusioned and we get disappointed with God. Because when we hear Jesus say, I give you my peace, we hear him saying, I give you a good doctor visit. We hear him say, I give you a good marriage. I give you a vacation every single year. I give you the bonus that you've been working hard for. When we hear Jesus say, look, I give you my peace, what we're hearing him say is, in our minds, I'm going to fix all your problems because you're a follower of mine. And everything's going to be great. And I'm going to take care of all the details. Jesus says, I give you my peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. That's his promise. But how does it work? Well, look, I'm not going to give you 52 things that, uh, that you need to do for peace. But I do want to share with you just a couple of ways that the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit brings peace into our lives as we walk with that Spirit, as we keep in step with the Spirit. I'm not talking about just coming to church once a week uh, on a Sunday. I'm talking about a daily surrender to God and, and believing that God's Spirit actually truly does live within you. See, the first thing that you see here is that when the pressure is on, the Holy Spirit is with you, and you're not alone. See, when life is the hardest, and I know some of you already know this, this is when God is the closest. Jesus says, look, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. Now, it used to be whenever Tanya and I would go somewhere, Emily and, and Micah would go as well. We just kind of took them wherever it was that, that we went. But there were some times where we were able to go on our own to different places, and we would have somebody come and stay with them, and they always wanted to know two things. Number one, what are we bringing them back? That was the first thing. And then it was, well, who's going to be staying with us? Who, who is it? Because you guys know there are some people the kids do not want to come stay with them, right? They just don't want it. But there are others that they do. And I think that's kind of what's happening with the disciples. They hear that Jesus is leaving, and they're like, well, all right, man, who's going to take care of us then when you're gone? And he says, well, I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the comforter. And they're like, okay. That doesn't really cheer me up, Jesus. I mean, we would rather have, have you. And, and, and I think sometimes we have a similar perspective because we look at Jesus as being varsity and the Holy Spirit as being the JV. Right? I mean, Jesus, he's the starter, and the Holy Spirit, he kind of comes in whenever, when the game's kind of out of hand. And he kind of comes in there behind everything. But that's not the way Jesus looked at it. In chapter 16, in verse 7, Jesus tells the disciples, Look, I'm going to tell you the truth, and it's good for you. He says, It's better for you that I'm going away, because unless I go away, the counselor will not come. He says, The counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him. In Jesus' perspective... It was better for him to be gone and the Holy Spirit to be present. You say, well, why in the world can that be? Well, it's simple. Jesus could be with them, but the Holy Spirit could be in them. You see, having God with you is good, but having God in you is better, right? So Jesus says to the disciples, hey, I'm going to go away, but it's better. If I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to live in you. You know, you read through the Old Testament, and there are all these different places where you find, like, God was with his people, and God was with Israel, and God was with Abraham, and God was with Joseph. And you come into the Gospels, and you even see that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which we're told means God with us. But then you get out of the Gospels, and after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, and you go into Acts, and you go into these different letters that are written, and all of a sudden there is this change, and it's just, it's just a simple little preposition. 
is a subtle difference. Instead of God with us, you start reading about how that God is in us. And guys, I, I don't know how you've been doing over this last year. But I can imagine that for a lot of you, the weight that has been bearing down has just been tremendous. And one of the biggest things that we've had to experience is just loneliness and separation. We haven't been able to come and worship the way that we're used to. We haven't been able to work. We haven't been able to go to school. We haven't been able to do many of the things that we had become used to all the different times in our life. And that loneliness just began to build up. And Jesus says, guess what? I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You're not going to be left alone because God with you is good but God in you is better see the fact the Greek word for the Holy Spirit literally translated it, it means to draw alongside someone who draws up alongside of you and I just want you to have this in your mind you know like when you're standing in the cemetery at the graveside you have one who draws up alongside and he's there with you and in you you're not an orphan when you walk out of the doctor's office and, and you couldn't find the heartbeat on the ultrasound, you're, you're not walking out alone. Or when you're signing the divorce papers and you wanted the marriage to work or you go out and you show up at work and they say thanks, but you don't have to stay here anymore because we found somebody else that is younger and cheaper. You don't walk out with that box by yourself. The Holy Spirit draws up alongside. There's a peace that comes from knowing, I'm not going to go through this by myself. I'm, I'm not going to be in this storm on my own. I'm not fighting this battle on my own because the Holy Spirit is in you. And so when the pressure is on, you are not alone. It's a beautiful picture because peace is not my fruit and it's not yours. And I think perhaps maybe so that we can understand this in a, in a tangible way. There are times when God will multiply the inner peace of the Spirit by the outer presence of others. You see, God knew that there were going to come times in our life when we would need reassurance. Time when the pressure would, would be so much that we'd be overwhelmed. Time when, when we would just want to run away. And he knew there would need to be those people who would go and run with us and who, who would chase us down and who would put their arms around us and, and, and who would be there in the midst of everything. And I think it's why he had those early communities of believers identify spiritual mentors who would serve as guides and protectors of the church family. They called them elders. Now, the word automatically brings to mind either old men in rocking chairs or, or young men on bicycles, but it's actually one of those words used in our New Testaments to describe, to describe a role within the Christian community, within the church. It describes this role that is used by the Holy Spirit to nurture, to lead, and to bring peace. Elder literally means one who is older, and it suggests and implies this idea of importance when it comes to spiritual maturity. There's another word that refers to that same role. It's overseer. It literally means one who, one who looks over and, and one, it talks about the importance of a, a caretaker. And then I'm sure you're familiar with the term pastor. It literally means shepherd and one who cares for the sheep. You see, elders are spiritually mature caretakers who shepherd the church family. Paul would meet with a group of these individuals in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. And he would encourage them by saying, look, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock 
All the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. Now I want to know if you catch, if you catch something that's very important in that passage. Paul told the elders that the Holy Spirit had made them overseers. That their role was not just one of convenience, but it was one of design. That the Holy Spirit intended for spiritually mature caretakers to walk beside these new believers in Jesus. So as the pressures of navigating a hostile and, and pagan culture pressed it around them, the church would be at peace knowing that the Spirit of God was within them. And they had elders, they had pastors who were beside them. You see, elders are not decision-making boards, even though in our churches throughout the years they've kind of been viewed that way. Now, don't get me wrong. There, there are times that elders must choose the path on which to lead the sheep. But elders are not decision-making boards. They are spiritual guides who have been commissioned by the Holy Spirit to come alongside and to, to help bring peace to the, the weighed-down child of God. And oftentimes the assumption is made that if someone is multi-talented and has a, a mind for business and demonstrates an engaging personality, and, and maybe if that person can, can pray and, and teach a Bible class or something every once in a while, well, that, that's elder material. But is that really what God had in mind for the ones watching out for his children? I mean, imagine that you're going to be going on a trip longer than just for a night. You're going to be gone for a good while, an extended stay. And so while you're gone for these several months, you intend your children are just going to have to stay behind, but you plan to eventually return, but in their immediate future, you're going to get someone else who's going to care for them. How do you go about choosing that caretaker for your children? Would you just invite anybody to take the job? No, you'd screen the applicants. You would probe the personalities of the finalists. You would narrow down the decision to the person that you thought was the best to look after your children. Then you would look at them eye to eye, and you would say, look, these are my kids. And these are my kids, and, and I am trust, entrusting them with you. They're my heart and my soul. I want you to take this responsibility seriously. Now, why are you going to be so careful? Well, it's simple, because you love your kids too much to leave them in the hands of someone who is immature or ill-prepared. You don't want to leave your precious child in irresponsible hands, and neither does God. And just as you seek out the best person available to care for your children, so the Holy Spirit seeks the right man to shepherd the church. In his book, They Smell Like Sheep, author Lynn Anderson talks about this when he talks about those who serve as an elder. And he says, elders are not strangers merely plugged into a job. Rather, elders are people who already have a flock, who are already serving as shepherds. The process of appointing elders is simply the process of acknowledging those who have been shepherding for a long time. It is recognizing those who have attracted flocks through the genuineness of their lives, the consistency of their service, and the authenticity of their relationships. He writes, a person officially becomes an elder when, when through one means or another his flock says to the rest of the congregation, you too need this man as your shepherd. And the congregation says, yes, shepherd us also. It's what you have witnessed take place here today. The Holy Spirit adding five more men who will walk beside us, guide us, and share the weight and pressure that's in our lives. Now look, I know that oftentimes when you're going through difficult circumstances, and I mean the pressure's on, and you're on that bench, and, 
and that weight is pressing down on you, it can be real easy. It can be real easy to get mad at God because of the things that you're going through, because of the things that you're having to deal with, and you blame him for the weight on the bar, and you blame him for the fact that you are just suffocating under it. And, and instead of walking with the Spirit and, and finding strength there within the Spirit, and, and instead of perhaps going to the elders and saying, would you pray and, and would, you, would you be with me and walk with me through this, we decide we're going to get through it on our own and we're going to do our own thing and in our own way and, and we're just going to fake it till we make it and we're going to make sure that we can get through and be successful. You know, I, I think about a cat that I used to have. Her name was Allie because, well, that's where we found her and we were real original at our house. And, and there were times where she would get on the carpet and she would start clawing at the carpet, right? Those of you cat people, some of you are going, that's why I'm not a cat person. Um, but, but they would claw at the carpet. She would claw at the carpet. And every once in a while, she would get her, her claw stuck in the carpet. And being the good, you know, pet person that, that, that I am, I would, I would get down on the floor and I would go over to her and, and I would reach down and, and take that paw and try to, to get that claw out from the carpet. And do you guys know that cats have four paws? Do you know that? And do you know that when you're working with one of them, the other three work independently of that one? Yeah. You don't believe me? Just try it sometime. Go ahead. Grab that one paw that is stuck in the carpet and see if the other three don't try to come to its rescue. And see if not only do the claws come, but also the teeth come as well. I mean, it was like World War III. And I'm like, I'm trying to help you. And I, I'm trying to get, the, get it out and, you know, and it, it, was just, it was just a mess. And I'm like, what in the world? Can you not understand me, cat? And I wonder, I wonder if that's a picture of what things must be in heaven. When we find ourselves some kind of caught and trapped, when we're under the weight of that bar, and we know we're in trouble, and God in his word gives us ways toward freedom. He speaks to us. He wants to help us. And instead of allowing him to help, we bite him. And we scratch and we claw and we lash out and we push him away, insisting on doing it ourselves. I know that's what I've done. You know, earlier Tim Gobble read a description of an elder's role from 1 Peter chapter 5. And the text encourages an elder to humbly care for the flock that God has entrusted to him. Again, it's something that God has presented to him. But in that same chapter, just five verses later, Peter, Peter would say that we are all to cast our anxiety on God because he cares for us. So here's my question for you, church. As you think about new beginning now, as you look at your walk with God, and as you think about the weight that is pressing in your life, are you giving those weights to God? Are you consciously saying, God, okay, look, I'm going to give it to you. I'm tired. I'm tired of carrying this and I can't hold up underneath it. 
And I'm not going to carry it today. And I'm going to give this to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to give this to your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to look for the fruit that is not of my own making. And, and I'm going to trust in others to come beside me and, and, and walk with me and, and hold up my arms and strengthen me because I can't carry it on my own. Maybe for new to begin now, the best thing that you could do this morning is when everything is said and done, you go to the lobby, to our prayer room, and, and sit down with one of our elders and have a time of prayer or confession, have a time where, where you want to read a passage of Scripture, have some read, and just talk about some weights that are going on in your life. Maybe the best thing you can do today is to speak about that, to pray about that, and to give it over to God. Maybe, maybe you'd just like to let it be known by texting prayer to 423-455-5530. If you text that word prayer, you'll get a response back, and then you can put your prayer request in, and, and that message will go to one of our elders here today, and you can know that, that you're being prayed for. You can continue to keep that number and, and send in prayer requests during the week and know that um, members of our church family will be alerted and know about that, and, and we'll be praying for you. Paul said, there does come times in your life when you cannot make it on your own. God will give you something. You can't bear. He said it's in those times that you trust in the one who raises the dead. New begins now. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you so much for not leaving us as orphans. We thank you for the fact that, that you've given us your spirit and that spirit provides peace for our lives. I pray that in the coming days and weeks that we would be individuals who would develop a habit of looking for fruit not of our own making. And Father, that we would reach out to those who are around us and allow, allow others to help carry the weights and the burdens. And Father, I have a, a prayer for myself and for the other men who serve this congregation as shepherds, as pastors, as elders. That we would be able to have a heart that would recognize that we would intuitively know those within our midst who are weighed down and be able to respond. To be able to walk beside, to be able to carry a load, to be able to, to share in the burden. Father, thank you for not abandoning us. Give us your peace. Help us survive the weights of life as we walk with you anew. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray together. Amen. As we close out our time together, Derek, let's sing some more.